So Jesus is that true bread that comes down from heaven. And it's not a metaphor because he's going to go into it over and over. This is my flesh and blood. Not the same as I am the, the good shepherd or I am the bent vine. You're the, this metaphor is real. So today we're going to just look at the Mass a little bit because uh, there's, a, there's two things Vatican II came out with. One is full, active, and conscious participation. That doesn't mean we all have to be lectors or Eucharistic ministers. It doesn't mean we have to be singing and talking all the time. Part of it's silence, but it's really knowing what we're doing and praying what we believe. The great saying I learned from now Abbot Jeremy in Fundamental Theology, first year at the seminary, is some of you have heard this probably, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, which means, I, I don't like to quote Latin, but that's, that's where it is. How we pray is how we believe is how we act. And so that's why it's so important to understand how we pray. We come as Catholics, we're a very diverse group, but we're united by the Eucharist and the Word of God, and that we come together as the body, small b, of Christ, and support each other by being present or being on the live stream. So many have told me how much they benefited this year. Shut-ins and things, they won't be able to come back. And they're, they're part of the greater spiritual body. So I want to just I forgot to warn the camera person back there, but I hope you can follow me around, whoever you are. Um, but uh, anyway, when we come in, each of us has an entrance possession, don't we? I do as well. And I'm representing all of you when we pray together. But uh, usually when the bishop or somebody comes in, they will genuflect right here. And uh, we had a, a lecture talk here some couple years ago, and Monsignor O'Connor was here, and he said, now, every, every lecture was over here, genuflects, and then they go over there. And I said, I said hold on a minute, half of us can't get up <laughs> once we get down, it was, and half the time it includes me. So, uh, so what, he said, well, you're the pastor. I thought, well, that's good, that takes care of that problem. But um, what, by bowing to the altar here, you recognize that I'm bowing to the altar, but we genuflect to the tabernacle. We're not genuflecting to the altar. Uh, bowing is a profound bow is appropriate and also when you receive communion a profound bow a sign of the cross some people kneel the important thing is is that we use some reverence to 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 acknowledge who we're about to receive it's a very personal moment it's not meant to be seen by others although we do evangelize each other by how we do things how I genuflect when I come in is a perfunctory and priests have to remember this also is you know the importance of the moment when the priest comes in, of course, then I genuflect up here to the tabernacle where Jesus' body and blood resides, and I kiss the altar, coming in and going out. That's, that's how we reverence the altar. Where's the third place? I don't just ask questions, but where's the third place that I... There's three kisses. I don't mean the kiss of peace either. Um, there's one other pla thing, place that I kiss. The gospel, thank you. That's... At 5.30 Mass, nobody got it right. So, did you all, do you all recognize that? What do I do? I say, the gospel of the Lord. So what happens is, there's two, there's two parts of the Mass, the liturgy of the Word and Eucharist. The lector bringing in the Word of God and me carrying high, we do that because this is not Jesus, but it's literally the Word of God. When all is said and done, and all of the earth has passed away, and all of this is, is in our history, which we will never lose, but it will be gone. The word of God will remain, and we are privileged to hear the world words of life. And this is great, you know? It, it really is the future, and it's very optimistic. 
the bread of life. Jesus wants to, us to, to be fed by him and then have eternal life, and to have eternal life. So we come in, and I want to share a few things that, I, that we do here. Um, the, uh, when the, there, there are three presidential prayers, notice how many threes there are on the Mass for the Trinity. I won't go over all of them. When I have a class, we, we list them all. But uh, one of them would be, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. I did the Kyrie this morning. That's Greek. The first language of the Mass is actually Greek, not Latin. That's what they spoke. Latin came later. Uh, and then that was the language for how many centuries until Vatican II. It was mostly Latin. So, and uh, in any case, and now we now fortunately we're, we're, we're seldom rest in our own language, but uh, the priest will say, let us pray. Notice the deacons don't use this posture. Only the priest does. And they don't say, let us pray. But the point is, this is called the Oran's posture, the offering to God. In the early church, we know that, that most of the faithful prayed this way. I was in the charismatic renewal for many years. I was in the lar second largest prayer group in the United States down in Los Angeles. It was an incredible experience. I'm still using the wonderful giftedness of that era. But in that, when people pray like this, um, it, 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 it survived in, in the priesthood. The priests never stopped using it. And we know this is true because we have frescoes in Rome where people are praying like this, and they're not all priests. This, the chasuble says that I'm taking the place of Christ, unworthy that I am. That's the role I have. But we're praying together. I'm lifting up your prayers to God. The, I'm, they call it the president of the assembly or a priest or the presider. When we come to the, to the liturgy of the Eucharist, uh, there are a number of things that I do. The corporal, I don't have an example of it, but we put this cloth down. It's, it is, has three purposes. One is to catch the crumbs. We, we try to be as reverent as possible. Jesus knew there would be crumbs when he got into, into bread and wine. He's very vulnerable. Each of you, in your own hearts, have to recognize who you're receiving. Jesus deliberately made himself vulnerable for us. And nothing's more vulnerable than a, a little wafer of bread. It's also, and it's, it's iron so that it will fold up so that uh, we catch the crumbs. Also, everything I place on it is consecrated. The third is a theological reason, and that is it represents the burial shroud of Christ because this is uh, it's a sacred meal and a sacrifice, which I'll talk about next week, but it, rec it recognizes the sacrifice of Christ for us. Everything that has been left from the early centuries in the church has a deep spiritual meaning. Notice who I'm talking to in the liturgy. Mostly, if I ask you the question, you probably would get it wrong. Mostly, we're addressing God the Father. Jesus will come in in a few specific places. Lord, have mercy. That's Christ. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lamb of God who takes away the turns of the world. Have mercy. There we have them there. And then um, uh, at the Lord Jesus Christ who said to your apostles, peace I leave you. But for the most part, we're addressing God the Father. At certain places, the, the priest is directly addressing you. The Lord be with you, for example. Or pray, my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours. And then we have this this ritual dialogue because we've entered another space and time and this this dialogue is meant to be we're different 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 
It, this is a, a place where we are lifted up in, in a very spiritual sense to heaven. The altar is a very sacred place. We, still, I, we may still have the old altar. I think we might have finally um, uh, given it the right home. We, we tried not to use it for any other purpose. Like when they're cleaning, the Windex should be put on the altar, for example. Only what's necessary. This is the place where time, time, excuse me, and eternity meet. It's a sacred place. We are actually, in a very spiritual sense, in heaven whenever Jesus is here. And the angels are here. Believe it or not, you're going to see this after death. Uh, and Christ is always present. And many of the saints have said his mother is always present where he is. It could be the Virgin Mary is here with us praying. And it, it sounds uh, very uh, devotional, but it's really the truth. Jesus is really here. So we, we consider this very sacred. That's why we bow to the altar. They have a couple of things that are very mysterious that... I've talked about it, but it's been a long time. One is the fraction rite, and the other is intinction. And so we have, uh, at, at when the priest says, uh, this is my body, which is given, he, he took the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. I do not break it at that moment, because this is not a play. This is a prayer. I'm not entertaining you. Uh, I'll mention this next week, but in Europe, many of the altars are still attached to the wall. They're either shrines or there's no room for a freestanding altar. We, we can do the, the Novus Ordo, the Mass of, John, of uh, Paul, Saint, Pope St. Paul VI, with my, wait, me facing this way. I don't have my back to you. I'm praying with you. So I've done that many times. I had to learn how to do it. It's not hard, but that's one way. But at the point is, we're praying together. I used to, as a layperson, I would always pray the Eucharistic prayer with the priest by reading it, and so I had it all memorized. And that's if you get distracted, that's one good way to do that. But the priest changes tenses from the third part, the third person, uh, to the first person, and uses the directly Jesus talking to you. This is my body. That's Jesus talking, not me. He's the one doing this. We call down the Holy Spirit specifically at one point in the Mass. Father, send forth your Holy Spirit to sanctify these gifts. What do my hands represent at this point? Anybody figure it out? How about this? This is what they do at the, at the, at the Marian Rite, the Abuna up here in Portland. Not like that. More reverent. Wings, huh? Dum, 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 dum. These are the wings of the Holy Spirit. Father, send forth your Holy Spirit. Here comes the Holy Spirit. And that's called an epiclesis. After the consecration, there's another epiclesis. This time, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come over the whole body of Christ, that you may be one and united. And so I don't put my hands out like this, but it's there if you watch for it. At the fraction rite, uh, first of all, the intinction. The intinction is where, and it's very hidden, it's not meant to be showy, and the, the priest says a few what we call secret prayers, where they're normally not said out loud, although once in a while I do so you know what I'm saying. Um, but the, the bread and wine are brought up, and then the server brings water up. Sometimes it's on the table here. And as I pour that drop of water in there, I say, I had to get this, because you know, if you're not in the moment, you forget. By the mystery of this water, <laughs> I typed, may the mystery of this water and wind well, that's, that's <laughs> no spell check. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share our humanity. Just imagine 
We're praying to share in the divinity of Christ. He didn't say that to angels. He said it to us. Because we're so lowly, we first have to be lowly before he raises us up. The second person of the Trinity has a human body, not an angelic one. It's beyond comprehension, and it's right there. You can't take that drop of water out of the wine. The drop of water represents Jesus' humanity, how small it is in this universe. The wine represents his divinity. You can't separate them. He will always be fully God and fully human. That's what that represents. In the early church, they had to cut the wine because it was, it, in order to be drinkable, they had to put water in it. And that's where it came from. But the, the spiritual meaning remains, and that's why we do this. At the fraction rite, at, at the Lamb of God, the communion um, rite, we break the host at that point because Jesus is so vulnerable to us. He, his bones weren't broken, but he was broken. He loves you so much. We have so many, so many problems out there. Oh, a pastor knows more than anybody how many of you are suffering with various things. Jesus is with you. He's always with us. And uh, we put a little, take a little piece off of there and drop it into the, what is now the precious blood. This uh, represents, this goes back to the early days in Rome when the, when the Pope in the early centuries after the church was legalized in the fourth century, he'd take a little piece of a consecrated host from one church in, in Italy or Rome, wherever he went, and he would drop it into that consecrated piece into the next chalice to represent the unity of the church. So that represents the, our union with each other and the, the, the strength that we have and, and our faith in being united as one church and one people. And th at that point, the priest says, may this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it. And for those of you who can't receive uh, physically, and includes waiting for an annulment and things that people are being obedient you know, to the, the church and things, we receive a spiritual communion, which is what I usually give when somebody's on their deathbed, and they receive that also. He can do that when we, can, when, when we cannot receive. Uh, if we can and we don't, that's another story. So we have that, and in all of these things then, we begin to learn a little bit more about the Mass and the, the things that we do. Um, at, the, uh, at the communion rite, we have another procession. We have three processions, the procession in, the procession out, and, and the communion procession. So we're, there's a lot of movement in the church, a lot of up and down. We stand up at the gospel because we're recognizing that Christ himself is speaking. We have, when at funerals, we often have uh, Protestants who don't do this, they, they will get up, for example, let's stand and pray to the Lord, that kind of thing. But we have what I call spiritual calisthenics. We're praying with our bodies. And the way we pray is, expresses what we believe and what we will later do. You know, So much of uh, we're being formed by these words that we pray and the, and, the, uh, and the way in which we pray. So to have full, active, and conscious participation is to have some ideas about how we pray. Uh, the last one I'm going to mention is this. The priest actually says, Here, Lord, open my, my mind and my lips that I may worthily proclaim your gospel. And then over here, without saying a word, what we're saying really is, Lord, open my mind, my lips, and my heart uh, that I may receive you. So that's what you're doing when you're praying. It's a wordless prayer. So much of what we do doesn't require words. 
our actions speak for themselves, coming into Mass, staying until it's finished, praying with our hearts, and, and pulling ourselves back when we get distracted, because this happens to almost all of us. So may the Lord bless us with a greater knowledge and insight and participation in the Mass. Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. How we pray is how we, li is how we believe, is how we live.